Welcome to episode 230 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And today, back to our usual format of no live studio audience. Udi's gone, and we are... Kind of lonely. Only two of us. Yep. Back to the good old days, huh? Yeah. Well, the old days, anyway. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, what's new? Well, um, i tell you what's new. Um, I, we had a catalyst session yesterday, mm-hmm. and I thought it worked very well. Uh, because of local server that we set up. Yeah, so that that was a huge win. Um, So you had done some research and discovered you found a really low-cost, and I would say pretty high-quality Linux server. It cost, I believe, after shipping and tax, it costs like 320 bucks from Amazon. 320 bucks. bucks, That's because I I like two-day aired it. I think it was like 270 bucks or something. You know, I think, so anyway, it wasn't very much. And it was like a little appliance. I mean, it was probably like, what, like maybe a foot tall, mm-hmm. foot deep, it's three like inches a fanless, wide. Like a fanless server, basically. Really quite, it uses yeah, the Atom quiet. chip. It uses the Atom chip. It's got like an SSD disk. Six, 60 gigabyte SSD. Yeah. Um, and the only trick of it was having to install Linux on it because it's completely blank. Yeah, and, getting Ubuntu into it. And when you were experimenting with that, because you did the installation... Yeah, it was. It was basically the issue was to I don't know whatever you you know how like when you're dealing with BIOS and all that stuff, it's right. quite, kind of tricky. So <clears throat> I had some kind of um, Mac uh, installer, like Mac BIOS installer, to install the because the way you do it is you you put a network version of Ubuntu on a USB, mm-hmm. and then you plug that into the machine and you boot it up and you get it to boot off the USB. Right. But the USB needs to have the the kind of boot record in such a way that it's going to actually boot. So I got there was some piece of software on the Mac that I was using to write this USB drive and it wasn't working. And then finally realized, okay, maybe I'll try with Parallels and found a great tool called Rufus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rufus works really well. Um, so basically, what is Rufus? Ru- basically, uh, what Rufus does is it, it its only purpose in life is to create USB boot drives. Okay. Yeah, and it's free, and it's just you just Google Rufus, and it just works. So basically, then installed the um, the minimum version of Ubuntu, like so you okay. can get a, a version of Ubuntu called Ubuntu uh, Mini, I think it is. Okay. And um, install that using Rufus in Parallels Windows onto the USB, and then so it, it took me a few days to kind of get through this, and um, then it booted up and got installed Ubuntu and. Bob's your uncle, as we say in England. <laughs> well, so it wasn't just a server, though. It was the MicroTik um, router. Right, right. Also, which is like, I think that costs like 130 bucks mm-hmm. as well. And that's a really sophisticated router, actually. Yeah, so so the plan we had was we want in the Catalyst uh, classroom, we want to, so that we want all the kids to be able to connect to a single wireless router, but we want them to just connect in the usual way. So they're typing in Catalyst, academy.org and it's taking it to this local server right so when they take their tablets home they go to catalystacademy.org and it goes to the real internet 
Right. So we wanted both of those things to work. So this worked very nicely. It was yeah. amazing. I yeah. mean, well, so all of our technology problems were gone. Right. Oh, yeah. So, so the, the Microtech router um, was the way that we, we spoofed the DNS. So what happens is, it's, it, as you said, it's got a very complex um, admin panel. I mean, Holy smoke, that thing was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I really like those routers. I mean, I think I'm going to use one for home as well. You can do, just do anything think, you want. With think it. your normal Netgear Linksys admin times 10. Mm. You know, sub panels and sub sub panels. Advanced. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. So, so one of the things you can do is you can um, basically spoof DN- DNS with it without was- without any hassle. So we just literally typed in Catalyst. It's it's basically got its own kind of host file, essentially, right? right? right. So we type in catalystacademy.org, and then the tablets connect to that wireless router. And whenever they type a catalystacademy.org request, it then pipes it to any IP address that we choose. And that's our local server. So we, so you basically just moved everything off the cloud onto the local server and network issues. <laughs> it's so gone. funny how everyone talks about the cloud. So I, yeah. you know, so I moved it off the, I copied the code. Well, I have, I had a copy locally of yeah. the code that I have on the VPS, the yeah. virtual private server. And I just pushed it over to this v, you know, FT, using FTP and then uh, just SSHN to, you know, deal with any database stuff. So the only, the only thing that has to happen now is that, when the kids do work on the class mm-hmm. and it's saved to the local server, I have to move those records over to the main server's database because they log in outside of the class to mm-hmm. work on their uh, adventure games and do challenges and stuff. So How you can do that? Okay, well, there's, there's a way I did it today and there's a way I'm going to do it. The way I did it today is I just used MySQL dump to dump out a copy of the database. <laughs> okay. And then I went into the, the the dump file and I delete and I deleted all of the um, statements Ooh. that had to do with dropping tables that I didn't need to touch, like the challenges and the user stuff. Only stuff that had to do with the files hmm. and their, um, and the challenge results. Hmm. And then I just, and the, that would, and I just ran that. I copied that SQL file and then did an import and it just, uh, or, just ran that SQL file. Okay, my yeah. SQL. So it, so, it so overwrote what, those tables. What are you going to do? What I'm going to do is I'm going to, um, I think I'm going to just log the queries. Mm. Um, I'll only insert an update and deletes. And, and then I'm going to um, have like a little PHP script that'll just run, that'll just synchronize. We'll take that file and I'll just run through them. And now someone's probably... Someone in the audience is probably going to say, well, why don't you just use MySQL replication? And I, I think the answer to that question, and I'm going to preempt the answer to that question, is because we don't know. <laughs> well, Maybe there's an easy way to just turn on replication and, and it'll just sync the two servers. Okay, well, so here's the thing. Imagine six months down the road, um, we have a lot of kids using this who aren't in our class. Yeah. And they're using it while the kids are in class. Mm-hmm. And then I just, the, these things are out of sync, right? These kids are adding files, yeah. adding, you know, things are changing. And all I want is the changes that they've made moved over to the main server. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it makes sense, just the so, log of the of the queries, yeah. Yeah, and just run through it. I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah, then, I, then they could just copy a file over the, and then just... Uh, well, see... The issue is going to be, because I saw you, you have a, a nice admin system where you can go in and you can create the challenges, et cetera, right? So is that ever going to be open to anyone else except for you? No. Okay, then that's fine, because um, it's just the ID mismatch that's the problem. So if, if, if we're logging queries, then IDs don't matter, because IDs yeah. are created on insert, and there's, there needs to be no matchup other than 
the challenges that you've created and as long as no one else is murkying the ids then right fine. yeah right right so that that's kind of what i'm thinking i mean i just want something simple where i can like in in three minutes copy a file run a script and it just updates the database yeah the remote database so that they can uh they can do stuff um but yeah because i think as i already have a lot of kids so here's the 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 plus and the minus of people getting excited about this is that i have a lot of kids that want to join uh, and one of the things that worked really well about last night is we had like nine, eight or nine kids because a few kids were were gone for various reasons. And we had not only was it you and I, it was uh, Chris, Liam's dad, who's a astro- astrophysicist and he, he, he codes in Python. Yeah. yeah. And we had uh, CJ was back visiting and helping and we had um, Manny from Idea Lab helping. Yeah. So we had a lot. We had a very we had a great ratio of help of mentors instructors to kids yeah now is cj's not going to be there again uh there's no guarantee that manny's gonna be there sometimes he shows up sometimes he can't um so it's three of us maybe two two to three of us and if i add like four or five more kids and a couple of the kids show up we could easily have what 16 kids 17 kids yeah that could get kind of crazy um so i'm i'm trying to figure out like how 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 are we going to do this well the local server also helped because it meant there was no internet. So having no internet m- meant the chaos factor was, you know, Low. dramatically reduced. Well, yeah. So there's no internet means, I mean, okay. So two things that, that did one is it meant that there weren't technical problems that the kids were getting frustrated on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the kids get frustrated with programming problems, but not with technical problems, but the technical problems are just a nightmare the last time because they couldn't do anything or they had a hard time. Yeah. So stuff. actually, I guess the other thing to mention is, is, the technical problems were going through the hotspots. Basically, we had two hotspots. We had like five kids on each hotspot. But then when the kids' uh, computer, a web worker connects to nodes, some weird stuff hangs, just some strange network problem. Just lots of network problems happen when the kids were going through the wireless access points. So that's why we moved the server. Yeah, I mean, the, the hotspot says 10 connections. That Obviously, a lot of these programs is running. They're using up two connections at any given time. But what does it? That just means ten wireless connections. It doesn't mean ten, kind of connections. I don't really know how it works. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what they mean by that. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not. They just a, mean ten devices. Yeah, but, but it, it still, wasn't able to handle it. Still works like crap. I mean, couldn't handle it. Yeah, I know. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, and uh, <coughs> anyway, so what was I? So it solved that problem. Yeah, and it solved the problem of the kids wanting to go on the web and play video well, games. The reason why I mentioned that is because if you have sixteen kids, it'll be less chaos than it would be. Yeah. Otherwise, no. we could probably handle a few more kids, but i I want to get I want to get the Catalyst software itself a little more a little further along. Right. Um. So I want to add in the question and answer stuff. I want to answer. I want to add in some of the screencasts. Well, how's um, the, how's the question and answer stuff going to work? What's your What's your plan? So imagine that you go under a section that says Learn. Yeah. Okay. And you go in there and it says, okay, JavaScript introduction to variables, introduction to functions you know, arrays, loops, or whatever. You know, just think like chapters in a book mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Little mini chapters. And each one will have like a two, three minute little screencast or whatever explanation of it. So when the kids forget it, so the first time they can watch it, but also if they forget and they go, I don't know what a for loop is, well then go watch the two minute video. Yeah. I don't have to go and take 10 minutes and go up to the front of the room and explain it to that kid alone or you. Uh, to, you know, because that's obviously, you know, it's really... Disrupt, disruptive and mm-hmm. uh, I'd rather help kids in individual specific problems. The, um, the second thing is after each one of those, there'll be a series of, uh, there'll be like a, a um, 
question answer system mm-hmm. so that will just quiz them over and over on how like so if we're doing um uh, you know arrays like okay here's an array how do we access the first element is that challenges so that's that's no. not challenges no those are gonna this is just gonna be a, a like a drilling system like doing mm. think of multiple choice questions like remember take your sats or your subject exams and like your you know ap test or whatever it's like right. question five potential choices but allows them to blast them really quickly so it really gets home stuff like okay what's wrong what what you know you know, here's a for loop, which sequence is it going to print out, <laughs> you know, or what do I need to change in this for loop to have this, the following sequence print out, you know, and you can do very different variations of those things, but it just really drills home, not only the health, how things, the structure of things or how these work, but also syntax. Mm-hmm. And so that will, so that when they actually go free form, it's like, okay, now write a program that does this. They're not going to be like, uh, you know, they're like that little bit of like, I feel like I understand it, but now I'm struggling a little bit. It, I think it bridge. It helps as a nice bridge. So, do we tie together the challenges and the questions and the video as yes. well? So yes. So there'll be a little, little bit. So there'll be like, so the topic might be intro, introduction to arrays. Yeah. Or array basics. Yeah. Okay. And there'll be a little two, three minute uh, video, and then um, one or two or three potential drills that it might drill different. And the drills being that the questions will be asking something slightly different, a little different format, maybe. You know, and then it'll be like, you know, maybe t- five to 10 challenges. Hmm. Yeah. You know, per that. And then <laughs> okay. they get second, right? And so they get points for the drills as well as they get them for the challenges. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Some of the kids are, have gone through all of the challenges now. Although yesterday we, we got a couple of hackers who basically worked out Jason's password. Well, no, no, no. They, they worked out the, the generic password that I let everyone use because everybody kept forgetting their password. And then it yeah. worked for mine. And they went in and they saw the admin. And, the, and they basically did. What did they do? They deleted? Well, they deleted a challenge. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was able to fix it this morning. But, you know. but didn't they also alter points and things? Did they? No, no they didn't no, do that. They, no, they deleted the challenge. They didn't okay. know how to do that. But, um, yeah. So. I think that's good. I mean, that's, that, that's in the spirit of learning computers, hacking. You know? Yeah, but I, as I told him, I said, look, guys, I mean, I know it's fun, all breaks of him, but you can't, like, destroy stuff and, and delete stuff. And that's, you guys are causing me a problem here. <laughs> You're making <laughs> me do more work. And, um, and so, uh, but yeah, the kids, are, the kids are coming along. So you worked with Grantland in his adventure game? Yeah. How'd that go? It was going pretty good. So um, <clears throat> he's got a, a while loop. He's got an array, which is basically his world. Mm-hmm. So in his array, it basically... The first, p- it, it's an array of text, text mm-hmm. uh, elements. Right. So the first text element says you are on square one. Mm-hmm. So it just, it just says that in text. And the second one, you on square two. And then the third one says, there's, there's a, there's a wall here. You could, you know, you can't move. You've got to jump over it. Right. So basically it has a while loop and um, he's got two commands, move and jump. Mm-hmm. So move will move you to the next one from the first square, then you get to the second square and then you get to the wall. And, and then there's a, a little conditional inside the while loop that says, well, if you're on square three, you can't move. Right. So you have to work out that you've got to type jump. Right. Right. So then you type jump and then it moves the position plus two rather than right. plus one. And then he gets over the wall and now he's in the next place. So then, so we were there and, but then he started adding a lot more conditionals and a lot more case statements. And he had, I don't know, like 15 and he, and he was said to me, is there a, it's, a, it's so difficult for me to test when I'm like 10 steps in. Like, I just want to get straight to a step. I wish there was like a fly command. So we coded up a fly command. So mm-hmm. basically now he just types fly and then a number and it will just take him straight to that position in his world. 
Right. So he was very excited about that. So do you feel like he understood it pretty I think well? so, yeah. It's kind of getting there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. I mean, I felt like we... I, I mean, I, I jumped ahead by introducing the concept of an adventure game. And I knew that that was going to be a little bit of a struggle. The reason I did it is I knew that Grant, as well as a couple other kids, were really itching to do something like that. So I figured, uh, you know, I know they're going to be frustrated and a little confused, but we'll just jump ahead and see what happens. And so a couple of kids are really getting into doing it, you know, mm. but so other kids are doing challenges. So people, kids are kind of gravitating towards doing different things based on, I think, their interest and also kind of their skill level. Which but is it's okay. a tough concept. I mean, and especially also, he's like, he, Grant said, okay, now I want to like pick up a key or something, you know, I want to do, do things like that. That's a, that's a tough concept then to have an inventory you know, table and all, and kind of intermingle all these things. Um, uh, Liam's dad was telling me, was, is Liam's dad, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was telling me that he saw a few engines out there online that basically just allow you to type in. Yeah, so little, what the hell is that going to do for us? Right, right. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what we don't want. I mean, the yeah. whole point is, the whole, I mean, I can't stand these things that say, hey, well, let kids invent games, but they're not really doing anything. All they're doing is typing in text. Right. It's like they're okay, fine. That doesn't have anything. That doesn't have anything well, to do I, with programming. I guess programming. You, you probably choose some logic trees and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah, I mean, we're trying to teach kids how to code from the bottom up, mm-hmm. like really understand and be able to manipulate loops and arrays and conditionals and functions, and that's what we're trying to do. I mean, because if if they just have this vague ability to vague understanding of these things and and don't really able, aren't able to manipulate them, then really we haven't taught them much. We've just <laughs> exposed them to it, which is okay. Yeah. But I want them to to be able to do it just like they can deal with addition and subtraction and multiplication. You know, it's like, okay, they, they get the concepts, they can put them together and, you know, make things happen. Well, we're definitely moving in that direction. Yeah, so CJ showed up. Oh, yeah. The return of the prodigal son. <laughs> the intern returns. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he, he had, um, he's now working at what used to be named Catalyst Class up in San Francisco, that three-month sort of academy, uh, app academy, where they teach you, they, they teach you, how to code from almost from zero to the point where you can get a job as a junior level developer. Mm-hmm. So they teach you, you know, SQL and JavaScript and Git and Ruby and Mongo and, you know, Ajax and how HTTP works and all that stuff, right? And uh, I've, I've given a couple talks there when I've been up in San Francisco. And so he's up there now. And they actually gave him a job after graduate. They offered him a job. Yeah, it worked out really so well for him. Oh, he's in heaven. Yeah. So he's just got the he's just got the best job in the world because he gets to learn and experiment with new technologies and help instruct new students, which of course just reinforces his knowledge of everything. Yeah. And uh, and get paid to do it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so um, very well for himself. Yeah. So he came. One thing he said is he's like, yeah, <laughs> this, the classes is the kids are way more advanced, and it's obviously way calmer. Oh, since he came last time. Yeah, he's surprised at how advanced the kids were. Hmm. So. I mean, to you and I, we're like, we get frustrated because we feel like they should know more, they should forget <laughs> less, you know, but to, to someone who's gone away for a few months, it comes back. Yeah. It's a big jump. So that was, yeah, that was that's nice great. to hear, especially when you compare it to like the first few weeks of doing Catalyst. Oh God. You know, it was, I've got a picture of the first Catalyst that we did in that, in that play therapy studio where we had the little tiny tables that were, you know, like a foot high and we had six kids on those tiny tables and you, a picture of you like hunching over, like trying to trying to get them to stall something. something. Yeah. It was just an absolute, just, just a fiasco. Yeah. So I'm so glad. I'm really happy with where we are. I think, I think in about three months, um, I, I, you know, I have some t- more time to add some features and functionality to the, um, to this, this whole other system. startup that we're doing that we like, it's not, it's not really a startup, but it's a startup. 
Is it feels it, like it, it doesn't it? It feels like a startup. And I mean, basically, we're we're beta testing our product with these customers, you know, mm-hmm. every week. <laughs> the very unforgiving customers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the most unforgiving. I mean, I'm telling you, Plugio customers are a lot nicer than those kids. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't work. I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's just broken. <laughs> no, but they also make fun of you for it not working. Jason, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, half, nine times out of ten is their fault. <laughs> oh, I think you've heard a semicolon. Um, yeah. yeah, so anyway, well, I guess that's probably enough about uh, Catalyst. Sure. So what's what's the latest on Plugio? Um, well, actually, Plugio's in great shape right now. Um, so I had a few different things. I had one issue where Twitter were counting characters differently to Plugio. So they didn't really make it abundantly obvious that they changed their algorithms for how many characters were being counted. So, you know, when you type in the text and it says you have a, you have 10 characters left. So what was happening was they, they've switched whenever they replace a link for an HTTP link, they basically always change it to their t.co link Mm -hmm. and they count that as 22 characters. And when they, whenever they change an HTTPS link for whatever reason, they, they count that as 23 characters. So I, really had no idea about that um and some customers just tweets kept on disappearing like they would post a tweet and it just would disappear and for like a few months i've been getting these messages from customers like when are you going to fix the system when are you going to look into it tweets just keep on disappearing but randomly and i have no idea why and no idea which tweet so i had so i had that like that one strain of mm-hmm. like people questioning me and and hassling me uh, right. customers and then another strand i had was um rss feeds so the whole rss system was just very slow because i was using simple pies caching system uh then i changed it to newsblur but then newsblur is great and it's it's awesome that uh i was allowed to use that by samuel clay but the issue is is that the for like 80 percent of the feeds they just weren't updating them fast enough so people would click into a feed and it would be like you know 12 hours old or something like that yeah so i couldn't do that so i had to Back out of that. So I had a lot of customers complaining about that. So I had customers complaining, our, t- our tweets are missing. Why are the feeds so so old? I'm paying you because of the feeds and it's completely stale. You know, every day, like someone saying, look, it's stale feeds, it's stale feeds. This is what I pay you for. So that was stressing me out. And then also being hacked, right? And then yeah. the database going down. But recently I've managed to solve all of these things. And uh, all of a sudden, this kind of cacophony of customer support coming in my inbox every day has just gone down to zero. <laughs> so it's like, oh, so oh. nice. <laughs> so that's that's where plug it. I'm really happy about that. And um, obviously, that database optimization I did, so things are you know just much much faster now. Uh, the database isn't falling over five times a day like it was before. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> um, amazing. So you're you're much more relaxed. I'm very rela- I'm much more relaxed about it, and it's. It's earning four thousand a month. What can I say? It's it's just kind of sticking there. That's that's the churn rate. The next thing I'm waiting for is for um, Corey Mass to do his video. He sent me the first sample of the video, and I think it's going to be good and fun. Okay. And um, <clears throat> he's going to be redoing all the plugio, uh, doing these videos, introduction to Twitter. Going to put them up on U- Udemy, put them up on YouTube, and I think it may actually increase plugio's revenue. I'm hoping. Well, we'll see. How much we'll money see. are you going to end up investing in that? Do you think? Uh, it's going to three thousand. Yeah, so it's a three thousand yeah. dollar experiment. Yeah, it's pretty pricey. Ah, uh, it is. Yeah, is there, there's no way to do like a thousand dollar experiment version of it. And you really just I just don't think there's any point. Okay. I don't think there's any. I mean, well, I mean, the answer is no, actually. Yeah. Because it's already over a thousand. Yeah. So I, I basically said, look, if we keep on going the way we're going to going, this thing's going to cost like five grand or something. So 
just give me an all-in price of three thousand and just do what we need to do for three thousand. He's like, okay, all right. So that's okay. Good. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, good. Well, you know, we get the thing up to five, five. I mean, even if you could make, even if that spurs it up to forty five hundred a month, yeah. you know, you, yeah, you've made that by itself in, in six months, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that with because there is not so much inbound marketing in that way. So I think with that, it could make a difference. But the other thing is, Plugio is kind of standing the test of time. I mean, people who come in and find it useful find it really, really useful. I think that, you know, like like a band that's just been going mm-hmm. for 10 years. I yeah. think I've said this before. There's, there's kind of a point in time when you just, you've just been in the game for long enough that then all of a sudden you have this lux surface area that starts to, to create something. Accumulate. Yeah, I think so. No, oh, we'll see. Yeah. Well, either way, you're accumulating money. So <laughs> as long as you don't blow it. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, right. You know, I mean, they, that's the only thing about like, the, the cash cow concept is like, okay, either, either you decide it's a cash cow and you don't really invest money in it, you just maintain it and just take the cash out, or you decide you're going to try and grow it, which means you take the revenue and you try and grow it. Well, you're, I probably would sell it. I mean, if, if I would probably sell it for like 150000 or something like that. If In fact, I wouldn't sell it for any less. That's what I would sell it for. So I think that it, it, it could be a, very, a great purchase for someone who was already in the twitter game who already had a lot of uh marketing exposure see there's there's a lot of twitter companies out there that are just making up money through advertising right yeah. they have like five hundred thousand users but they only make advertising money so they make very small money they could buy something like plugio and turn that into serious revenue you know, right. what, you know what i'm saying right yeah so i think that i may consider selling it but i have no idea who would be interested in buying it well, I don't know. Uh, well, what, I guess what you're do you putting think, the order. Do you, I mean, do you think that? Do you think that it would be better to sell it for 150 grand now, or just take the next three years' revenue with the chance of it growing? Well, your your chance of your growing because I've seen it's like they like say the best the best estimate of a stock price tomorrow is the whatever the price was today, right? You know? and uh, <laughs> especially when the stock price hasn't changed in like a year, so the revenue. From Plugio really hasn't changed much in the last two years, right? But there's but right, right. But so we're doing this. Flat. We're doing we're doing this experiment with Corey, right? Well, you've done different experiments, and they've, none of them have panned out. So it's been sitting at thirty eight, thirty five, four thousand for a long time. So it, it seems like you know. I mean, maybe maybe there's something that'll work that someone can do. Yeah, but. It, the stuff that you've tried so far just hasn't worked. So I'm just thinking, well, four thousand is kind of what it's going to But it's just make. reach. I mean, it's just marketing reach, basically. Plugio, all its money just comes from the hundred people who hit the site every day. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just saying, I wouldn't pay a huge premium over that. I'd, you know, people, you know, I don't know what must be worth it two between two and four times revenue. Yeah. Maybe. So somewhere in that range. You know, I mean, so if you make uh, fifty thousand dollars a year. Roughly, yeah. Minus cost. What are your costs? What are your hosting costs and everything? Uh, like three hundred. Okay, so your net maybe thirty five hundred. Yeah. But then, of course, if it wasn't you, then somebody they have to pay somebody else to maintain it. Yeah. And you you put in customer support emails and tech stuff, and you know how many hours a month is that? A couple of hours, maybe an hour a day, kind of thing. An hour a day. Well, it depends. Twenty I twenty hours a month. Yeah. Yeah. So twenty hours. Sometimes less. It depends on what state the, what state it's in. But it's tech support as well as so it's so it takes it would be works for somebody I mean, else. The only support I really get now, now that everything's solved, is um, is basically cost. You know, cost like can you 
I, I use the wrong email address. Can you change the email address or something like that? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So anyway, they'd have to pay somebody to do that. Yeah. Which is going to be, which would become the cost. So you figure out like the, the costs are going to be your four grand minus, you know, whatever that's cost. So I don't know. There's the, um, a couple thousand dollars profit a month. There's the growth chart there. So on, on this side here, you can see revenue. This one. Uh huh. So going from there up. Yeah, so th- there's a little bit of growth. It's just kind of stalled out this year, or well, maybe it's halfway July, through. July, well, uh-huh. and then June of 2012, you have 46, almost 4,700, right? Yeah. So that's more. You peaked back then. That was your peak, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing. <laughs> it's been kind of flat the last year. Yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. It's, well, uh, if you if you want to drop 150 okay. grand on a bad bet, <laughs> give me a shout. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, see, see, the whole thing with buying stuff like this is, is it all depends on the, what the acquirer can do with it, right? You know, some yeah. people have have the ability; they have other products they can meld it with, or skills, or exactly. whatever that you don't exactly. have would be worth more to them, yeah, than exactly. you. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, right. next, what's well, next? You, uh, oh, well, I'll talk about one thing. Go on. So, um, oh, I, I want to, um, oh, let's see here. Um, I just got this email. Let's, let me listen from Ben Rhodes. He, Ben is the, um, Ben donated. Um, let me close this out real quick. Do we owe anyone any shout outs about well, donations and stuff? For money? Yeah, well, for the Chromebook thing. Yeah. No, uh, but um, Ben, ben Rhodes uh, donated a brand new Chromebook. Mm-hmm. Um, which costs about, it's just like $250. They're kind of sleek looking. Yeah. Do you like that? Yeah. It's nice little, I mean, $250, the thing was, it's about the size, maybe a little smaller than an um, Air, like yeah. the smaller yeah. Airs. And, um, you know, an Air is what? Like even the smaller one's like 1200 bucks or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but I don't think you can compare a Chromebook to an Air. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, you know. So if you're like, oh, I want something really light, so I can just like yeah. surf the web and tweet and write emails and stuff. Well, like this is perfectly sufficient for that. Yeah, because an Air you can do full stack development. Yeah, but then again, are you really going to be doing full? And you're not on a, the screens are too small unless you're plugging into a big display. Well, you can plug it into a big display. But but I'm saying when, if, if you're when not. you're out there on the road, you can you can do the full development stack, so it it works pretty well. But yeah, I don't but know anyway, any, I don't know anybody's doing doing uh, really coding on an air. Well, I can tell you one person, Udi. He's computing on an, he, an air. He was coding on an air for the last year and a half before he moved over here and got a MacBook Pro. <laughs> Not really? moved over here before he came over here and got a MacBook Pro. Those yeah. crazy kids. Everything he does. <laughs> that's the way kids do it. Yeah, that's I'm telling how kids you. do it. Okay, <laughs> they well, don't care. All right. Well, anyway, and they're looking at this little tiny screen, like, and he's fine I with it. I don't know how yeah. I do that. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, the bottom line is, I think um, for two hundred fifty dollars. It's a great little um, computer for web-centric um, productivity. It's especially good for, for Catalyst. I mean, basically, Chrome browser by default and everything we need to do in Catalyst. That's it. Perfect. That's it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I want to thank Ben. Ben, that was incredibly generous of you. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, he, he said he didn't have anything to plug, um, but I just yeah, I want to make sure that we thanked him publicly. Yeah. Because that was, uh, yeah, was a hell of a nice thing to do. Now, um, a, a, a couple other, um, we had a couple older um, Chromebooks donated. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, um, they are both have problems. 
<laughs> one of them is some problem with the power. The power supply doesn't work with it the right way, and the other one is just completely screwed up. Did we get? Did we? Which Glenn is? Bennett was. Yeah. So Glenn, Glenn, we met. We went to lunch. We yeah. actually took us out to lunch. Yeah, that was and a, Udi as well. All three yeah, of us yeah. went to lunch at uh, Houston's. <laughs> you know. And uh, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of great meeting Glenn. See, Glenn, Glenn is old school. He's he's done a bunch of startups, and he was telling us sort of his startup journeys and how he would develop code for these companies and take stock. And you know, he he did pretty well doing that. And he has you know his own projects going on. So he was a really nice guy, really interesting to talk to. Yeah. And then uh, met with um, <coughs> with Patrick. Um, Oh, Pat's last name. Um, uh, I'm trying to blank on it. He works at uh, Pat, Patrick works at um, Stripe. Mm. Oh, Patrick Collison. Yeah, no, no, no. Patrick Collison is the founder of Stripe. Okay, well, you can forgive me for let thinking me, it was let, Patrick Collison. No, this is uh, <laughs> a Patrick that let works me, at Stripe. Let me do a search. <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking on Pat. Uh, let me see here. Patrick Stockwell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we had a long time. We, so when I was up in San Francisco, um, he actually invited uh, me to come over and have um, uh, dinner at Stripe. They have their own sh- chef. Nice. They have custom meals. They come in every day and, and, and cook meals there. That's hot. The so did, did you meet um, uh, Alex McCall there as well? Yeah. So I, I brought Am- my buddy Amos, who's yeah. sort of my partner in crime there at uh, Uber. Um, and uh, I asked Patrick, if you mind if I brought a buddy, and he said no problem. So I brought uh, Amos along with me, um, and so we went over and uh, yeah. So Amos got a long conversation with um, Alex McCaw. Alex McCaw is he wrote the the spine spine framework, but also a great book. Um, he wrote Arali's introduction to JavaScript no, web applications. JavaScript web applications, I think, right? Yeah, but but it's a, a published through O'Reilly, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. an IndieFlow expert, so he's a really bright guy yeah. and um, and a nice, nice, really nice guy too. And so um, Amos hung out with a bunch of them. They were talking. I, I ended up going and spending a long time talking with Patrick and hearing his stories. And um, so he's he's been successful. It's funny, like he's one of those guys. He's done well enough on his own startups that he doesn't even need a JavaScript. He just works there because it's kind of fun. <laughs> who, who does that patrick oh nice <laughs> that was cool like, yeah you know it's like i just want to do some fun i'm like okay yeah uh, um so uh but he so patrick donated uh like glenn donated uh um, an old chromebook like a 2011 chromebook mm-hmm. but i think uh both of them had problems which is and, and and neither of them or i should say both of them said like i don't know if it's gonna work i think it should yeah but you know at 2011 laptops from 2011 these are beta hardware that you know they so they had problems so it's you know which is it's no problem i so appreciated it but yeah. uh, we still had it we just still didn't have a working chromebook so it was nice that uh yeah, that uh, ben was able to donate and help us out yeah thanks so much really really good so um okay well so you just mentioned any food there um and is there anything else you want to talk about on this subject yeah we talk about so um sarah who you've outsourced the expert Hunting. Farming, hunting. Yeah. She's hunting and gathering experts. She's yeah, a, she has three hundred for a hundred topics, hundred yeah, categories. She does. Now, the funny thing is, of course, I never said to her, "Don't choose experts that we already have." Oh, for categories that we already have. Yeah, for, no, but even experts. So the good, the, we know that she's done a good job because mm-hmm. for Ruby, for Ruby, guess who she came back with? Uh, Michael Hartle. Michael Hartle, right? So, so we know that she's done a good Who'd job. What did you get from Mongo? <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head. Mar- okay. I don't know off the top of my head. But, but I'm just saying that, that that kind of proves the quality of the 
of, of the list. Yes. So, but you need to go through and determine which ones we're going to. Okay. Pitch okay. First. So one thing I've just decided. So I went through and I did five today. Yeah. But I don't. I'm not going to do that for all 300. It's going to take me too long. Okay. It's it's, it's kind of. I'm just going. I I think. Um, I think we should do is both of us should just kind of go through and and sort of give it a quick review, make sure that there's no experts that we already have, yeah. categories we have. But otherwise, I just leave it to her. I mean, the thing is, like, they were all experts, and it was all yeah. like, eh, like this guy might be better because I think he's a consultant, this other guy's a job. Yeah. But, you know, frankly, it's hard to say. And it, she gets it, right? She gets it. So it's just yeah. like, you know, and the reality is a lot of people just aren't going to be interested. So just because they're going to be too busy or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, even if I say this guy's better or not, so, and so it, first of all, it's just a guess. Yeah. And, and a lot of these guys really don't have big Twitter feed followers. Like they don't have 7,000 Twitter followers. They might right. speak at a conference, wrote a book, but they have like 40 Twitter followers. Exactly. I mean, the main thing that we need is experts to fulfill the jobs, mm-hmm. you know? Um, the other thing that I was thinking that might make it a little bit better would be to get a picture of her on the website in maybe a team page. Sure. So when she's contacting them and then she yeah. they get contacted by this cute blonde, mm-hmm. it might make them more likely to sign up. Well, yeah, you know, well, we could have our, um, <laughs> she'll be there with her expert outreach or expert yeah. something. And and uh, yeah, why not? So um, let's just you send her those three, those to start yeah. that I have and just go, those, and you can, and... Um, should do you think that she should just basically go through the whole because we have a hundred technologies there should we just or just get her to pick the one that she thinks is the best of each 100 and then we'll, we'll we'll get her to contact each one of those it's obviously not in one blast because she won't be able to manage that many but just do maybe five at a time she can do it you know because yeah. thing is, is that you send emails to people and, you, and sometimes you heal back you hear yeah. back in five minutes sometimes it's a week yeah so just because she sends out 20 emails she may only get like six or seven responses in the first yeah. three or four days so it's not like it's, that's not manageable. I guess we just use the exact same spreadsheet. We'll add a new column and just say, you know, contact status. She can contract them. She can do whatever you might. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and then she can also, they'll, they'll have, it'll, there'll be a status of like, have they been contacted? Have they answered? Have they signed up? Is their profile filled out? Have they added their payment information? So she'll know to like track them based on where they are in the chain. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you might want to create a second spreadsheet for that. I mean, it's the other one's already got a lot of columns. I guess I could just export and then just import the names. Yeah. And, However you want to do yeah, it. I'm sure. just okay. saying I could get a little, I was getting like scrolling back and forth horizontally. Like, this is, and I have a giant monitor. I'm like, this is kind of a pain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <fine>. um, <clears throat> but yeah, let's just have her do it because like, it was just taking up a bunch of my time and I'm just going to be a bottleneck. And frankly, uh, you know, she already she gets, gets, it. It. She gets it. Yeah. And, um, uh, okay. Yeah, let's just have her make cool. Progress. So, uh, any food? I don't know what kind of startup you call this. Like the the creeping, whispering startup. But just <laughs> creeping, kind of, whispering. It's just, <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> it's kind of like I don't know. Is it like ivy growing up a wall? Well, let's just hope slowly? it's not a zombie startup. <laughs> let's just hope that he has a second wind and it does something. Yeah. All right. So uh, one of our uh, listeners, Dave Marshall, emailed me and he's like, "Hey, you know, I was just curious about the secret project." So. He 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 did some slow thing and 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 he said I think I found, I think I found what your secret project is. He's like, but I don't have any idea what it does. So I'm not going to tell people what he did because I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to. I, I haven't done enough on the site that I really want anyone messing with it. Right. Yet. I mean, it's just sort of it's like an under construction. 
And so he's like, I just don't know what it does, you know, but I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. And I'm like, my secret project, you mean the project I never get to work on because I'm always working on Catalyst? You mean that project? <laughs> like, that's what it is. It's the, uh, it's just been so frustrating because Catalyst has just taken up just this huge amount of my time for right. the past but two months. You have made inroads to move. I think you've been very frustrated with the number of projects you've had. And, and as you said, you were going to drop a project and you've dropped a project. You've dropped a, a paying customer, which I think is great. Yeah, well, I should say they dropped it because they're just basically, they need to conserve money. <laughs> they're yeah. kind of a situation where they're like in between funding rounds. and But they kind of did you a favor. Actually worked great for me because yeah. I was like, it was a whole new project that had to do with a whole new stack. So they're all, they're backbone and handlebars and less and um, what is it, and brunch and I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it was like seven pieces that they got moving and, all new, and a whole new thing. And it's their their whole domain, it's their whole framework. Like they create their own, I mean, when all these startups, you know, once they get to a certain level, there's a lot of intellectual infrastructure. Yeah. Like what do words mean and what do things mean and where stuff stored and how stuff dealt with. It's not a green field thing where someone comes to you and says, hey, you know, Justin, can you build this thing? It does X, mm. Y, and Z and you just kind of invent your own framework or, or your, your, your terms and objects and things to represent it. Somebody else has created all this stuff. Yeah. And it's usually not that well documented and <coughs> it's usually not complete and see that. And it's like, Oh, and there's this, this really this whole new stack that I got to learn. So I was like, Oh, this is exhausting. You know, mm. I was just, I really wasn't looking forward to doing it. Okay. So you just have, you have uh, Uber now as your main. Oh, main so client. let me just finish this. So, yeah. so anyway, they, he, you know, the, the CTO who I'm, I'm friends with said, Hey Jay, you know, we're, <laughs> we need to conserve uh, cash until our next round of funding. So we're going to, and they just put this on hold for the time being. And I was like, no problem. <laughs> you know, because really, I really need to focus on Uber. Mm-hmm. You know, any, you know, Uber, I, I, and, and uh, you know, it's fine if I have some little thing here or there that I, I'm helping someone with or, you know, a little project. But if it's something that's substantial and takes a lot of mental energy, uh, that's just no good. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and dealing with another company that has, like I said, a, a lot of intellectual infrastructure that you have to sort of engage with and get up to speed on and stay up to speed on. And I mean, it's just, it's exhausting. I mean, I have to do that with Uber, mm. right? You know, Uber is already in constantly changing and there are 35 engineers and all these pieces and just trying to stay up, keep my development environment up to s- speed and understand, oh, there's all these pull, pull requests and branches and all this stuff's going on and it's affecting everything. It's like, okay. That takes a lot of effort, just staying. Do they work through safe. GitHub? Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, I you know, at first you always feel a little bad when you hear stuff like that, but then I was like, wait a minute. This is the best news I've had yeah, in a while. That works. <laughs> because you don't want to let people down. You don't want to say, hey, I know I've committed to this thing, but frankly, I just don't have the time, and I'm just feeling exhausted and burnt out, and I don't want to do it. And they're going to be like, well, you told us you were going to do this, and we've already mm-hmm. paid you mm-hmm. to build a part of it and you know it's just not cool to do that you know the best you can do is find a way to over a period of months segue out of it or or or, or taper out of it you know cool well so so what what do you have on your plate now you i mean in terms of commitments to other people you have uber and no other paying customer i have uber and i just have this small one which is a guy who's i'm helping develop these trading models okay um uh he's I, it's all NDA stuff, but I can't. How much time does that take up? I put in like five hours in the last two months. Okay, that's seven perfect. Hours. Yeah, that's not perfect. much time. And 
I, I had done some consulting for another uh, startup um, called Pivot, but again, it was like five hours over the past three or four months. You know, well, it's like any it's like any food kind of stuff, right? You yeah. pay, I get paid a lot of money on an hourly basis, but the hours are kind of limited, so it's not too stressful. How uh, how close are you to like finishing up Catalyst? Like it's funny we say finished up. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. You, I know there's, there's, there is no, no finished. finished. How how far am I before you can let it go? Do and I feel like move, I can move just on chill? to secret project? Um, I think that it's. I think that if I can get to the point where I can get the question answer system built up, yeah, um, and fix some more bugs, I think within the next, I think I can start working on the secret project this week. Okay. I start putting in some hours, like put in at least an hour. I have been hours. hearing that on a regular basis, by the way, yeah. but that's okay. But I'm bad. It's better now. Well, you, you, well, you see, because Catalyst was a huge amount of stuff. I had it spread out over two different servers. Yeah. If half of it was Node. I rewrote the whole thing. I basically had not rewrite it, but I had to restructure the whole thing. Yeah. And it's way, way better now. It's way simpler. It's all on one server. It looks better as well. And it looks better. It's more, it's just more flexible. It's more stable. I mean, it's better in every possible way. By a huge margin. So the other thing that we didn't mention was when we were installing the server, like as we as we were doing it. So I'd, I'd installed Ubuntu and I brought the server over to you because you had because there's a server has nothing. There's no keyboard or our monitor, right? And so when you don't have anything installed, it's easier to have that there. So you brought your keyboard and your monitor, yeah. And and we just you sat on this little table next to me, and, and, you, and you said, okay. I said, okay. So what are you running? See, like Node Apache, sign. Okay, boom, test. Oh, that works. Like install install Apache. App get install Apache. App get installed. Like everything worked first time. Apps get installed. Node npm and I mean it was it was amazing. I kept looking at you like nothing's ever this easy, Justin. I'm getting very nervous. And you're like and you're like okay, I need to proxy um I need to proxy Apache via Node. So this is what this is how we do it. So I'm like boom. Test it. It works. <laughs> well, because well, what you would do is you would bring up your iPhone, yeah, and you'd do a search like how to install Node or how to install Apache or how to, and so you would do that, and you would it'd be like app get install here, and you type yeah. it in, it work, and you look yeah. like it worked. But the but the config stuff worked as well. I mean that that I mean proxying Node through Apache. I mean getting that set up in like less than two minutes is <laughs> not too shabby. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm obviously we're resting a lot on, on experience that you and I have had with this right, already. Right. So you had had some experience doing some things. And I had some experience doing, obviously yeah. I spent many, many hours trying to screw around with Node and, and Apache and getting everything to proxy, right? And yeah. listen to different ports. But in combination, we had everything. The only thing... We, we did everything in about, what, 10 minutes? No. Was it? Did it was oh, it longer it was than like that? an hour and a half? Was it? Yeah, it felt. It's like still fast. It was still yeah. fast. Okay. I mean, hour and a half, including the time it came to bring in and plug everything in, and you know, sit down and find it. You know, that that stuff. Okay. So, it, the 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 only, but I mean, I guess the bulk of it we installed probably in thirty minutes. Yeah. Now, then we were struggling with the init D script because I copied it over to one that I was using on my VPS, which is CentOS, and this does, and things didn't work quite the same on Ubuntu. So that's an init D script for a node server. So basically, your, I have a your node, new guy, Nick, your Nick, new SS admin. Nick, Nick my, uh, my on-call sysadmin, yeah. Linux sysadmin. I'm telling you, this guy is awesome. Who, by the way, you've handed out his number to a few uh, texting listeners. So Dylan emailed me <laughs> and said, hey, I heard you talk about this guy. I could really use him. <laughs> and so apparently it's worked out well. Dylan emailed back, said it worked out great. And yeah. Nick thanked me. And then you contacted him and said, I want to... You're shooting yourself in the foot, dude. He's going to put his rate up because you're giving him all this work. 
He's going to be like, well, oh, sorry, my so rate's going up. So be it. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's $20 an hour. So I'm like, if you need a guy, if you just like a guy on Skype, like on your favorites, and anytime you run into a, you know, a Linux That's issue, want, yeah. and you just like, all right, I don't want to screw around with this. Like, I just want this done in like 10 <laughs> minutes. I don't want to spend an hour and a half. Just say, hey, Nick, here's the, uh, here's the IP, the password. Can you log in and configure this and do this? And you know, it'll just be done. And then you just say, how much do I owe you? You know? And uh, for a lot of times for me, it's like I owe him 20 or 30 bucks, but it's an hour, an hour and a half. And I just go PayPal and pay him's done. Yeah. Well, so he, he had, he's basically wrote an init D script, a way of stopping and starting the server. And also, I guess, locking. I guess it'll like restart when, when the machine restarts, it'll automatically bring it up. Right. So the node server. Yeah. So that was great. So, but it, it didn't quite work. So, but he fixed it. Yeah. He, he wrote it for um, CentOS. Yeah. And we just copied it over. And I said, I hope this works. And I just changed a few things like the uh, directory structure, because the directory structure is yeah. different. I changed that, but it didn't work. And you tried a couple things which were close. Just your guesses were kind of close, but it turned out not to be quite right. And what so, was what was the thing? One of them was having to do a, a symbolic link from SU to run user. Ah, I see. I, I put SU you in did there. That. I did put that. SU in there, yeah. And there was one other thing he had to do. And then, <coughs> and then there was one command you had to run um, yeah. to, to make everything work right. So it was I, minimal. He didn't charge me. I said, what are you? He's like, nah, nothing. He's like, I typed in two commands. I, I, I From doing Plugio, from being sysadmin on Plugio for the last three years, it You've has definitely, definitely taught me a few things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly useful. I'm getting better at it. Yeah. I mean, you know, because... You know, first of all, on on on, on, um, on the Mac, I'm constantly on the command line yeah. having to screw around with stuff because Uber's infrastructure is all, you know, kind of that kind of Linuxy kind of or Unixy kind of stuff, and um, and and I'm constantly having to every time their development environment changes, like, oh, we'll just run this and do these commands and do this stuff, and so I'm just getting used to it, and then having these VPSs and trying to get them configured, I'm getting better at it. I mean, it's it's always nicer if you know it yourself. Yeah, but it takes too much time to to kind of learn everything from scratch. It's like if you can do the little things, and then when you get stuck, have someone like that who's an expert solve it for you, and then explain to him what they explain to you what they did. So that next time you kind of have a pretty good idea. Yeah, that's a really good way. So anyway, email just email me if uh, if you're interested. If you'd like to if you'd like to contact this guy or at least have him on your favorites, and I'll forward his email to you. Just send an email to podcast at texting live. He's he's good. That's awesome. Um, so do we have any, um, I guess tech links? Yeah, let's see. Oh, so I'm going to talk about a few different things, just random things. Oh, cool. So speaking of outsourcing. Yeah. So I've outs. Okay. So Colby, my eight year old son is he's, he's kind of a multi-sport athlete. He plays soccer, basketball, baseball, and football. Um, which means our weekends are crazy. <laughs> um, and he, uh, my daughter's, my daughters who are a little younger, just getting into sports. They don't aren't kind of as crazy as him because luckily my 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 daughter Izzy, my middle the middle child, she only wants to swim. She's like she doesn't want to do anything else. We tried. Oh, nice. Swim. She's a good swimmer though. She's really good. So huh. which would be nice. So it's like okay, so just one thing <laughs> instead of like five. And then my uh, my youngest daughter Ari loves soccer. So she does club soccer already at age of five. She does that twice a week. She does. Wow. She just loves it. She just loves it. I always ask her, because like, we brought... I thought she was the old princessy. I thought she really wanted to be a princess. They're, 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 um, they, I think they're of the new model girls that they, they like to do their girly stuff and then they want to go out and huh. do 
mix it up on the and play sports and stuff. Nice. They can kind of switch gears. They think, oh, I'm a princess now, or I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna slide tackle and take you. No, I'm a soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not quite like that. But anyway, so back to Colby. So um, I noticed that in a couple different sports that Colby went from being well, okay, the basketball and and soccer were never his best sports. He was always. He was always effective because he was he's an athletic kid, fast and strong and stuff. But um, basketball and soccer, basketball and baseball, baseball, yeah. And, but I noticed this year that a couple of the kids on each of the teams are clearly pretty getting pretty skilled. Like it's obvious that they're getting a lot of extra instruction from their dads or whoever, right? I mean, they just it's clearly they know what they're doing out there. You know, then it's just not like oh, that's an athletic kid running around out there. It's like that kid knows how to throw, do a layup, or that kid knows how to do a jump shot, or that kid knows how to do a grounder and catch, you know, catch a grounder or whatever. So, uh, or field a grounder. So, I was trying to coming into the season this year, I was trying to work with Colby a little bit on his baseball stuff, you know, on catching and throwing and stuff, and it's just so frustrating because he doesn't. He just doesn't want to listen. You know, he doesn't want to listen or he gets, so dad, I know I'm doing it right. I, that's what I did. I'm like, Colby, that's not what you're doing. You know, like I'm trying to get him to learn how to catch a baseball overhead, you know, and like, okay. you're just, just do this. And it's just, it sucks because you, you, as a dad, you imagine, oh, I'm going to take my son out or my daughter. I'm going to show him how to do this and it's going to be fun. But it's not really that fun. It's frustrating. Right. It's just irritating. It's irritating for them and it's irritating for you. Well, it, but if... But not so much in the soccer where he's really good at it. So it, it, it's the kind of ones where he's no, he hasn't he's up. just generally, it's just he's generally hard to coach. Okay. And but the funny thing is, I thought it was just maybe me and Colby. But I talked to most of the dad. I've talked to a lot of dads about the coaches, and they're like, "Yeah, man, it's a nightmare. I can't. <laughs> you know, there's just this myth that you're going to go teach your kids stuff, but it just it doesn't work." They yeah. don't want to listen and then you become impatient and you're irritated because they're not listening or they're not trying and you know what they can do and then they're irritated. And it's just, there's too much emotional stuff going on there. It's, it's too, too much, connected. It's too connected. And um, so I said, all right, I, you know, I said so I had taken him to this one um, facility where they have like batting cages and I thought it'd be fun. Let's just work on his batting. We'll just go and he, you know, do that. And, and then I noticed that they had instructors there. Like I saw a wall, you know, like you know, you go to gym and have like a list of the pictures of personal trainers, like this personal trainer yeah. specializes in this, this, and this. So I went there and I, I talked to the person in the front and I said, you know, what's the story? And like, oh yeah, we have instructors or whatever. So anyway, I set up, uh, a, you know, a, a lesson, a, you know, a half hour lesson with one of the, the, and turned out to be the director of the academy. It was unbelievable. Hmm. It was so great because it was like a half hour, which is not very long. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's easy. And the guy, you know, the guy has been doing this for like 30 years, right? He's been coaching, you know, like these regional teams and college teams and his kids are in college or high school and great players and all this stuff. And so, and his, he played in college or whatever. So he's like one of these guys. He's like when you go play golf and you, you have a good lesson from other pros. Yeah. And it was like after half hour, it's like we made more, we made more progress than he had made in like six months. Huh. And Colby had fun. And I'm just sitting there drinking my coffee, watching. I'm going, this is great. I mean, it costs me 40 bucks or 50 bucks. But I'm like outsourcing. Like this kind of outsource is like great. And um, then I told Colby, like, right, well, we'll go hit the batting cage. And then actually have, they have a whole section out where they have a bunch of old school video games. Yeah. And then we'll go play video games. You know, so Colby huh. was excited about that. And so I went and bought the 10 pack lessons. I said, all right, well, it's like cost me like 300 and 
$75 for 10 half hour lessons. Yeah. And it sounds like a lot of money, but you consider that like when you're parents and you're sitting in the stands and your kid is like doing all the wrong things and it's so frustrating because you told them like, don't, you know, yeah, but then, what are you doing? It's like, ah, will you stop doing that? You know, yeah. and, he, and I know as a parent, you're supposed to sit back and like, oh, it doesn't matter. But it, 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 it it's, an or, it's annoying. <laughs> it's annoying when you're like, oh, why? You just, you threw it to first base. You threw it five feet over the kid's head. The kid scored. I'm like, what are you doing? But why do you think that the, the other coach is able to get through to him? I asked him, I said, I said, I, well, I came, I said, this is great. And he's like, I'm like, yeah, I, I said, look, I had so, I, I had so much trouble coaching you know, Colby. He's like, I don't coach my own sons. Never. It's a nightmare. I can't coach my own kids. I always have other people coach them. That's interesting. So maybe that's a strategy you should take with soccer as well. Everything. I'm just going to outsource this stuff. Are you thinking that you're going to try that? Yeah, because it's just, it strains our relationship. It makes, it, it doesn't make him happy. Yeah. It doesn't really work that well. Yeah. And it doesn't cost that much. So a lot it of makes other a big dads, difference. So that so a lot of other dads do that as well then. Well, I was talking to a couple dads about that because I was I, I you know, different times I was at practice games. I said, Yeah, I'm thinking about doing this private instruction or whatever and they're like wow, really? Let me know how that goes. Because, <laughs> you know, it doesn't work for me either. This is, you know, frustrating. And um, and so we went to, we did a second lesson last, it was unbelievable. I mean, how much progress he made in another half hour. And huh. he loved it. He was having so much fun. And I was actually part of it. He had me, so Colby, so think of us as a right angle. Colby's at the center. Yeah. So he, the, the, he was teaching Colby how to cook, catch different types of ball, depending where they are, over yeah. his head, on the ground, on the side, whatever. And so, He's throwing with Colby. Colby would catch it, and he'd do a shuffle speed, and then turn and throw it to me like I was, and then I was head of the net, so I would catch it. So I just sat nice. there. So, but it was fun. Were for you him. able to not say anything? Yeah. You so you just let the I sit back. You I let just, the, just just catching the balls. You're not so this, but that's hard for you because you'd like to have. S- it's a inappro- level it would be of inappropriate for me, right. to to do that. And you know, sometimes you'll do that a little bit as a parent when it's like a baseball game or in, in or basketball <coughs> game and. The coach, coaches can only do so much, right? Yeah. And they have all these other kids on the, and your kid is not doing something. Like your kid's in the dugout messing around. You're like, Colby, quit swinging the baseball bat around the dugout. Cut it out. <laughs> I mean, parents are constantly have to do it when you have yeah. like seven, eight-year-old yeah. kids. You're constantly like, your kid's like staring off in the space and the, the ball, the, you know, it's like, hey, Connor, <laughs> you know what? Oh, pay attention. You know, I mean, you just, what you, you have to do it because the kids are yeah. not doing stuff. So... Anyway, it was just, um, it was another like the outsourcing thing where it's like, you know what? That's good. As a parent, it's, it doesn't matter if I do everything. It's just that I facilitate things and make them happen. I spend time with them. Yeah. And that I facilitate things and make them happen. If I can make them more efficient and make them work better, then great. And so I was like, I was telling Sandy, I was like, this baseball thing is going to be amazing. He is going to be three times the player he was in, in two months. It's going to be amazing. Because we would do that and then we go hit a few rounds of pitches and we go like 60 pitches, which is fun. And then we get him a Gatorade, play some video games. We're home. Great. Fun. Everybody's in a good mood and he's drastically improved. And I was telling Sandy, it's like, you know, Sandy's my wife. Or doesn't, that's not obvious to anyone <laughs> listening. Uh, it's like, I need to do this for basketball <laughs> yeah. because I'm watching him on the basketball court and there's a few kids out there who are just, have some great skills. But what about for soccer as well? I mean, is, are you too invested because you're coaching that team as well? I don't, dude, I don't care. You know, I, I don't, I don't, um, I would have no problem doing private instruction. You know, my dad used to, my dad was, my dad was a great golfer. He mm. was a scratch golfer. I mean, he had no handicap, which yeah. is rare. He was a club champion and he really wanted my brother and I to be golfers too. Yeah. Uh, 
obvious reasons, right? You always want your kids to do stuff that you love. Yeah. You want to introduce yeah. them. I love this thing. I want my kids to love it. And uh, he got me into golf and I liked it okay. You know, I never liked it as much as I like basketball or soccer or whatever, but with your kid, you're just kind of into, into whatever, right? You don't really compare them. You're just like, hey, you want to play golf, dad? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're just yeah. kind of up for anything. And he would give me some instruction, but he definitely had, uh, uh, I got a lot of lessons from the, uh, the club pro. Hmm. They come out there, and, and my dad could have could have instructed me, but the thing was, is it was probably frustrating for him to a certain degree. Yeah, I probably you know the same thing. Maybe I didn't listen or I whatever. But the thing is, is that he doesn't have the same tools, instruction tools that a pro has or an instructor has. I mean, these people, that's what they do. Yeah, they have a million tools. If this if something is getting through to uh, someone trying to learn the sport, whether it's tennis or golf or whatever they could say oh think about it this way or here's it here's a little we're gonna do this drill and yeah. then you'll figure it out whereas like if it's a, if it's just your own kid you're like trying to make up some way of describing what they should be doing right and come a drill and you're like i don't know look you're just not doing it right do it this way and the kid's like yeah well anything that you spe- specialize in you just get better at i mean there's so many different things so yeah. i was really excited about yeah. that there's another hacking there's another one of those <laughs> outsource hacking things you know, so hack, hacking your kid. Yeah. The other thing, I just, uh, on a topic of Colby, which I thought would be kind of um, fun. So um, I took, they had a uh, book reading night or in like a book fair at my kid's school. And so I took my daughters to that. Uh, Colby wasn't really interested, so he didn't, he didn't want to come because he, he reads like three, two or three books a couple weeks a week now. So going and getting a couple books at the store, was, at the book fair wasn't that interesting for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I went there and, went out and I bought a bunch of books for the girls. And then I saw a book. I saw Ender's Game. Oh, great book. And I was like, you know, I don't know if he's up for reading it. Yeah, if he's probably at the, he could almost read that now. But you know what? Maybe I'll read it to him. And so we've started doing that this past week. We've read yeah. like the first four chapters. So every night I read a chapter with him for 15 minutes. Good. I like it. Loves it. Such a good book. Which is so much fun because it's like, because I like reading it. The movie's coming out in November. Huh. Yeah, and um, you know Harrison Ford is, I think, Graf. If you remember, Graf is the the guy who runs the battle school. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, it'd be great if we read that because I think he would like it. You know. Um, and uh, you know, it's like it, it has a lot of things that I think sci-fi and of course shooting and. Well, you know, there's there, there's a whole series. I mean, basically, oh, yeah. there's another like five books after that. Yeah. So there's Ender's Game and and. Ender's Shadow, I think, is the movies kind of encompass those two books, I think. Anyway, so I've been reading it to him. He loves it. Like, every day, he's like, he's like, like, Dad, Dad, can we read, are you going to read Ender's Game to me tonight? (laughs) Oh, it's kind of nice. So, it's like, at least I'm not outsourcing that. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah, outsource the stuff, keep the stuff that you're really good at and that creates a really good emotional connection and outsource the stuff that distances you guys. (laughs) Yeah, it's not what doesn't work. You know, it's like, okay, like, just like, you know, there's things that I can do. There's stuff that I would rather have Nick do on the server. There's stuff yeah. that I can do with my kid. There's stuff that, you know what, that's better just to have somebody else do. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it makes everybody happy. And you have to spend some money. But when you think about the money, I mean, like I said, 10, 10 lessons for 375 bucks. I'm like, just like, Nick, $20 an hour, I'll do it all day. It's <laughs> 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 like all day long. No problem. Yeah. So, uh, cool. Well, anyway. Nice. This. So, moving to a few tech links before we wrap up. The oh, show. you got some tech links. Okay, let me get my tech links on. One thing I want to talk about real quick for, before I do that is, um, so my big thing, which is incredibly annoying process that I had to do is, uh, is I got a new computer. I had to get a new computer because 
my iMac, my 2010 iMac was too slow to run the Uber API mm-hmm. in such a way that I, we could simulate the dispatch with any more than like one driver, one client. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. And because I kept having problems with it and I'm like, Amos, I don't know what the deal is. And, you know, he's kind of running dispatch now up at Uber. And so, you know, he, he logged on with trying to figure out what's going on. He's like, your computer just sucks. I can't even keep up. So I, um, I got a, approval to go and get a uh, a new MacBook Pro so I got the top of the line MacBook Pro with it what was it with a with a 700 gig uh HD SSD I think it was something like that whatever it was you were with that's, me yeah that's hardcore it was really nice you were with me yeah. I, I just said whatever the fastest they said cuz Amos said just he's like cuz Amos just got that himself through mm-hmm. he's like yeah get get the fastest one cuz that's what I'm running and it's running great and um and then so I got that and the uh, Thunderbolt, the big display. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool and all, except I had to move all my crap over from my old machine, which is such a pain in the butt. Well, I said, why don't you just use Time Machine? But the thing is, the reason I didn't want to do this is because everything on this old machine was set up so back-ass word. <laughs> Well, because it was my first Mac, right? Okay. I think you set up a few things when I look back. Hey, and hey, like, hey. I set up a few you things. Set up, you said, oh, put everything in this WW directory that's not in your home. I'm like, I don't do that. Doesn't, that's not how things work. And, 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 you know, when all the guys at Uber have everything set up, that's not how everything's worked. Why? So, how do they do it? Well, they, everything goes in there. You would create a directory, like a projects directory in your home directory. Yeah. Right. And I know I just wanted things done right. Okay. I didn't want to, like, keep living off. I didn't want the, oh, another params situation <laughs> you do things wrong the first time and because oh. you just keep copying and pasting yeah you know um you have that and but plus but the other thing was i was looking at all my old data and I, I had to move it over and i was using airdrop airdrop is so slow it's like oh, right. 1.5 megs a second transfer speed just use it yeah you could you can just plug in with firewire between the two max oh can you yeah i don't think i have a firewire cord Anyway, so the problem was, so I'm just doing it. So I said, you know, so I'm going through all my old crap trying to just streamline all the stuff that I don't want and trying, you know, because you have to go, I had to go through my, I had to kind of exhaustively, exhaustively go through the hard drive to find, you know, stuff that I didn't want to delete yeah. that I wasn't going to, that I was going to not have access to. So you go through all the videos and pictures and documents and code. It's so a funny thing is going through all my old code. And I was just like, just reams and reams of old C++ stuff from the 90s and Visual Basic <laughs> stuff from trading software I'd written and .NET stuff. And I was going through this weird thing. Like, I was trying to think, like, you know, because your, your, your default is, like, to just to save all your old software. Because I might someday want to look at this. Yeah. But the reality is, I'm looking back, it's like, it's been 15 years and I've never used any of this. I've never gone and well, gone. Don't you have it like on some hard disk somewhere? But I, I'm just like, I, I still have saying that, but I'm not going to copy it over. I'm like, you're like, I'm, I'm just I'm like, done. I was just thinking about the idea of like renewal. Just burn it. Just, just start over. You know, like they would like burn fields. Like yeah. Just, yeah. And then just, just like, you know, because you're, what you're looking for is like, oh, first I'm going through the projects, trying to delete the stuff that is obviously just stupid, like projects you would create to test something out. And then you it's just sitting there and it's like, you know, there's a ton of those projects and there's copies and copies of projects because this is way before GitHub's source control stuff. I mean, this or even drop. I mean, this is stuff. So you have stuff that's copied from machines and copied from other machines and copy. So it's just like archives of, you know, directory called old and archive and backup and old yeah. backup. And yeah. it's like it's like this huge tree of crap. And you're just like it. 
you look at all this stuff, it's like, this is all just junk. Just junk. It's like, I'm like a digital hoarder. <laughs> I'm a code hoarder, you know? <laughs> and it's like, why but am I It doesn't take up this? much space. But it is. But okay, it doesn't taste that much ga- many gigabytes, but I'm thinking like mental space. Like, why have it? Like, why not just delete it all and just start from scratch? Because everything, I was thinking about that, uh, everything from those projects that has any value to me is in my brain anyway. Well, you see, I kind of agree with you, except for, I don't know, this is the one good thing for sticking with PHP for a long time. Like, so I've just got a lot of old code that's PHP and I still work with PHP. So I can occasionally think, huh. There was a thing that I did back in first consult about 10 years ago. And how did I do that? And I've, I've done that. Like I've looked through the archive and dug up the code and worked out those concepts. Yeah. So I don't know what you're talking about. You're basically talking about code that you're never going to work with again. Right? I'm talking about C++ you know, code written in 1995. You're, you're never going to do C++ I'm, projects again. Well, you? not necessarily, but I know C++. I don't need to go look through some crazy trading a project yeah but it's like it's the library i mean it isn't it like the libraries that are useful i mean maybe you wrote some i don't know socket connection library you don't want to have to write that again do you yeah but the thing is it's like nowadays there's people have written stuff that i wrote i wrote my own equivalent of like protocol buffers or message pack was it what's it called zero mq yeah i wrote my own zero mq was called velocity yeah back in the 90s that's what i used in the early 2000s. Right. Um, so, was, so what would you it use? Was high f- it was this super low latency, flexible, socket-based way but, of communicating between C++ programs, Visual Basic, and .NET. But you would use that. If you did another project, you wouldn't use the MQs. Nowadays, it would just... Nowadays, you know, I would probably just use your MQ. It's like, screw really? it. Oh, yeah, okay. I probably would. Okay, it, fair enough. Because that stuff is painful enough. It's like if you wrote your own d- database, it's like we'd use MySQL, your own database that you wrote. <laughs> At some point, you're like, all right, I'll just use MySQL or Postgres. <laughs> so so you know? J- Jason has a threshold of, uh, of not built here syndrome. Yeah, well, when something, when, something, when, when, a, um, when something is complete enough and widely used enough and documented enough, then why yeah. not? I mean, this, the only thing that I've held out on that I've used, I still use my own more than I use is is the is jQuery. The jQuery I stuff, still use yeah. my library core, and I don't use jQuery. Mm. But everything else, I tend to use cool. you know, libraries or whatever. But um, anyway, it was just an interesting thought process. It's like, can I delete this? Like, can I just... It's like, Give it's yourself like, permission. Can I just burn it to the ground and start from scratch? So I just copied over like... The only the bare essential, like the, there's just a few key projects or key, co- uh, you know, files of code. Like that's really interesting stuff. I'm gonna say, like I had, I wrote a, a uh, genetic programming library in JavaScript script called Symbolica, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, <laughs> so I'm like, that's this is actually pretty cool code. So maybe you're gonna start a movement, like te- burn it to te- the ground. <laughs> yeah, burn it to the ground. Texting listeners, and it's gonna like gradually spread out to well, the internet. Well, see. Most people who, especially people who are who've been, who are newer to coding in the next, you know, five years or seven years, most of the stuff that's like, well, my stuff's on GitHub. Like, it's either it's either a test project, which I can delete. Yeah. It's a proprietary project, which I need to keep. It's for a client or myself. Or I put it up on GitHub. Because everybody puts everything up on GitHub. But my that's- stuff is so old and so useless. It's, it's, why would I get open source? It'd be embarrassing. Yeah. I guess that is true. Actually, um, talking about embarrassing. Um, so a, a site that I did, oh my God, like in uh, 98, uh-huh. re- ni- 97 even, 
readisland.ie readisland.ie so basically i built this book this bookstore for uh-huh. for a guy who had a bookshop in ireland so i've been kind of uh working with him over the years to just keep this site running that i wrote then and obviously the code you know it was like among some of the first php code that i ever wrote and it was just absolutely horrific <laughs> 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 so anyway <laughs> that's what i was doing was looking at some of my old php co from that i was like oh this but is this so has ugly. been running a working business for the last 15 years anyway he's just sold it oh. so he <laughs> sold it to this this another bookshop so this other this other bookshop are like uh okay we're gonna take this site and we just want you to like talk us through the code <laughs> and kind of explain how it works and help us move it to another they contacted server. you yeah because I, I i'm i still work with him he's been paying me a retainer for like 15 years oh really yeah just to wow. just to, you know if anything happened or anything i thought you got like a weird phone call from a number you didn't recognize no 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 Justin, I've, remember me i've basically <laughs> been, i've been hosting his code on myself for the last like i said oh, all, okay. since then so anyway, so he sold he sold the website, sold the concept. So I was speaking to these other people, and it was just excruciatingly embarrassing talking through the code. You know, this is how this works. This is how this works. <laughs> and anyway, so I, I know what that feels like. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was looking. At. I wouldn't put that on GitHub, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'd be no like, kidding. Oh my god! People like this guy's an idiot. Well, you know, because a lot of stuff, it's like it's not just that it, it wasn't that. It, I mean, some stuff. Okay. The C++ code wasn't bad. It's just written in a dead... It's, it's written in uh, using MFC libraries. Dead. Yeah. Nobody... It's gone. And what if, actually, what the funny thing was is that the first code that I wrote is probably the only code that I really saved, which was a, uh, a library of, uh, of option pricing models that I wrote in C. And the reason it works is because it was just a, just a bunch of C functions. So it wasn't attached to anything. Like it was self-standing. You could you could import it to anything. It yeah. would work. Whereas all the other things were like these very highly coupled systems. There was just a lot of crap going on. Like how right. would I ever utilize any of this? I would at most I would do a search and maybe find a function and cut and paste them, cut it out of there and paste it in a new project. At most, yeah. But this library, because C was so uncoupled, yeah, it was like well, that's actually still useful option models dot c and options models dot h <laughs> like actually save that like that's actually you know kind of useful um i mean could be if i ever needed it for some reason but or I, it, it's reusable i would say is it going to be used in your new secret project no it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have anything with trading you know which is really funny because uh, you know i guess we discussed this at lunch yesterday but so i got we got booth got an email from a guy who said hey you know i'm um I want to learn how to code, but I don't know how. And I want to learn, I want to write some trading algorithms. Yeah. That's ultimately what I want to do. I want to write trading algorithms, but I don't know how to code. And I, my advice to him was, look, I'd, I'd do it in Python. I would just use, go through a hello world, Python hello world. And I just start trying to write a very simple command line program that um, reads some prices from a text file and then prints out to the screen whether you'd buy or sell. Just write, just try to write something like that hmm. in Python. And, uh, and, don't go through these, don't get all these huge complicated, go through, don't go and do all these, all these other projects. Just stay close to what it is you're trying to build. And then what I would do is I would hire a, uh, a Python coder at 10 or $20, at, at 10, every 10 or 20 hours to go through the code you've written and, and, and review it and say, here's what I would do and here's what I'd change and here's a better way to do this. And that'll save you a lot of headache and get you through um, parts you're struggling with. And, you know, and you could probably find someone like that pay them for an hour and probably find them on Craigslist or yeah. freelancer.com or whatever. But, or by the way, if you're a listener and you wouldn't mind 
doing that, serving as sort of a mentor, a paid mentor, and, you know, Python, send me an email and I'll, I'll connect you up with it. Oh, that's a good guy. idea. Yeah. So, um, anyway, it was, it was not 10 minutes after I sent that email, I got an email from another guy who's like, Hey, I just read your essay about why, why I quit algorithmic trading to do web startups. <laughs> And he's like, I totally agree. I was trading for four years, made a lot of money, lost all it all. It was totally stressed <laughs> me out. It was the whole thing was just, you know, kind of bad psychologically. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, trading is fun, but it's just takes a psychological toll. Yeah. The whole process is just is because you, you know, it's, it's not like, like, in, you know, you can make a bunch of money, but unlike a startup, you don't lose it all the next day. You might not make much and you kind of burn it on salaries and, infrastructure costs, but it's not like you could just lose all your profits like like the next day. Yeah. Which is what trading's like. Yeah. And it is so psychologically damaging. I can believe that. that. Um, you're always I think you're and I think it takes very special people who can do it without absorbing a lot of psychological damage. I mean there's certain people just have a just a they just have the right kind of brain for it. Yeah. But most of us it's just you're just mood swings and grumpy and distracted and you know, you get excited, you make money, and then you lose it all, and you're ah, distracted. It just sucks. And he's like, "Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm so happy I moved on." So <laughs> once I told this guy, like, "Yeah, hey, well, here's how you want to do it." I mean, the guy was asking, "This, me is, how to this is how you get into it. This is how you get out of it." <laughs> <laughs> you're on this part of your journey. This guy's the other part of your journey. Yeah. So actually, I got an email as well. Uh, someone looking for advice from me from um, Jamal Osman, uh-huh. and uh, basically, he was just talking about how he was at a, he's building his own SaaS app and he's uh, at a crossroads where he doesn't know whether to continue building the app or to just make a landing page and get new customers. And uh, I think I gave him some pretty good advice. And I said, yeah, I agree. That was good advice you gave I, him. I just basically said, uh, okay, first of all, scrap your product and find the simplest component. Just find the smallest thing. And I just spoke about how, you know, the buffer versus pluggier thing, how yeah. just find that one thing and go build shallow, but go wide, you know? try and integrate it and um and then get that shallow thing out there as soon as possible and then get stop working yeah. with customers on it and just make it work well for those customers and then integrate it into a lot of different things and so yeah yeah he, he i think he he appreciative liked, yeah he was yeah i agree with your advice yeah thanks so uh that was that that was it that was it oh um so i to follow up i had a um i had a conversation with um <coughs> i told you that female entrepreneur yeah. Um, that I met at that hackathon who, so the, the recap of her situation was that she had raised some, uh, it's not, I would call it angel money, but it's more than family and friends money. Okay. And she had burnt through it all on three different developers. Building in strange technologies, like build like the, the inappropriate technologies. Well, so it's, I, I, I'm not at liberty to say exactly what the, what the site is or what it does, but it's in the recruiting space and it's not, it doesn't require magic. No, I mean, this is this is an alien technology, Simple. right? This yeah. is pretty basic stuff. And the guy who had advised her, who you know, I think was a pretty successful or experienced sort of CTO type person, had written this whole thing. It was like Node and Mongo and Redis and Backbone and Socket.io. And I was like, dude, like, because like, she she sent me like the the diagram, you know. Yeah. And I was like, why? I mean, why do you need all this stuff? I mean, these are fun and cool technologies, but the problem is that how are we going to find people who can do all this stuff? They're expensive. Those people are expensive. I mean, if you know those technologies, you're a coder yourself, and you're like, well, I want to build all the cool stuff, then great. But if you aren't a coder yourself and you got to go hire someone, 
those people are going to be four to five times as expensive than if you have someone build it in vanilla PHP or even Rails, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and, it's, and the, the site's going to do the same thing. And if you're talking about scalability, it's like you can wash away your scalability problems with money when you start making money. Because you're not going to have scaling, because especially the way her startup is, it's a it's a revenue generating. It's not just a, hey, we're going to have 10 million people and then we're going to figure out how to make money. So I'm like, you'll be making enough money at that point, if you have scaling problems, you can just buy bigger servers or you can cache stuff or at the, at, the, at the last part, you can rewrite it in some new language. Scale as you need. Scale as you need it. That's not your problem now. Your problem now is just getting something built and uh, otherwise you got nothing. And um, so I had, an, uh, had like an hour long conversation. It was like you said, it was like an any foo session. And I said, all right, here's what we need to do. <laughs> I was like, let's talk about your problem. And so we, I went through and she took, she talked me through like her, all the customers that she talked to. She did a lot of customer development, had a bunch of clients that were willing to write checks. And, and I said, all right, so it sounds like you got at least five to seven that are willing to write this check that to do this specific thing that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Not these other things that you want to experiment and think might work. Screw all that crap. Breaking it down to the simplest. Let's get you 10 grand a month. A the simplest component. Okay. okay. How are we going to get to 10 grand a month? Yeah. So if you can go and have this, this thing that we're talking about, this very, this basic aspect of working then you could probably go to these these five or seven companies and get, you know, a couple thousand a month. And she's like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, okay, then that's what we're going to do. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about what that product needs to be. And that product was pretty basic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is this is PHP or Rails on top of MySQL mm-hmm. on a VPS. You don't need it. It doesn't have to be on Amazon, EC2 stuff. I mean, just whatever. I mean, I mean, I could get this thing working on a shared $5 a month hosting site <laughs> and it would scale to the, you know, enough yeah. for a time. I mean, or $15 a month VPS. That's all you need. Yeah. That's it. And um, so, I mean, obviously she was very, you know, thankful and excited about the conversation. And I said, all right, so what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm just going to help. I'm going to have another talk with her this afternoon. And it's going to help sort of um, sketch out what this app needs to do. It's like, let's describe the functionality and get like a little framework for it. And so if there is any, are there any listeners on the show who are um, PHP, MySQL, or even Rails, you know, somebody who can do kind of front end, back end stuff really rapidly, you know, get something knocked out because she doesn't have much money. I mean, she basically, this is basically coming out of her pocket now. There's no capital left. So get something up in a few weeks. Then let me know because, um, you know, I'm going to help out a little bit, but I don't have time mm. to take on a, a project. So if there's anybody who listen who'd like to do it's some gotta, remote work and get something going. It's got to suck from her point of view. Like you, you kind of bring on board professionals and kind of trust them and burn through a lot of cash. That's that was kind Yeah. Of well, she stuff. said that she said that, um, she has another entrepreneur went through the same thing, raised like 2.5 million, um, burnt through, had, did all this advanced technology, burnt through the, the developing developers didn't deliver n- nothing worked and they ended up having to go and they got something built out of Serbia and got it and finally got up and going. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot. I mean, it happens. I said, you know, I think the people who, who were advising you were probably doing it with the best intentions. They were like, well, I don't want to tell them to build in anything but like the latest and greatest stuff. But they're not thinking, they're just thinking in terms of tech people. They're not worried about, you know, revenue and time to market and maintainability, having to find people. They're just thinking like, what's the cool tech stack to do this in? And I'm just thinking, you know, you just got to get something up. Mm. No, nobody cares what it looks like. Like I said, Uber ran on uh, their dispatching system was one PHP function for it's a such year. Like, it's such an obvious lesson on it. I don't know how, how so many people fall into it. Like, wh- there's a lot of articles and a lot of information about out there to say, don't do this. You know, warning, warning. When you're developing, 
Just build something, well, you that, go, the, the smallest thing, you know, minimum viable product. How do so many people miss well, that? No, it's not, it's, not the, it's not the minimum viable product problem. It's the using advanced technologies, you know, versus just the really basic tools. Like, but if you if you go on a Hacker News and you start talking about PHP MySQL, they basically think you're uh, an idiot. Yeah, but but minimum, right? minimum, minimum viable product, in my mind, kind of encompasses the concept of don't overcook the ham. That's true, but it's rarely discussed in like what technologies you should use and, and how expensive it is to hire people to work yeah. on those technologies. That, that discussion hasn't been something I've heard much of. Yeah, everybody knows MVP, Lean Startup, Customer Development, Landing Page, Email. Anyway, that's... Everybody gets it. Everybody's got that, right? But when they say, oh, I want to build something, you know, people are like, oh, you know. Sounds like a blog post that someone with a lot of spare time on their hands should write. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Blog post number 73. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but, you know, again, I I think it's well-meaning, smart people can still give that kind of advice because they're not taking these other um, constraints into mind. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking hard because it's not their money. They're not thinking, oh, geez, right, I got to hire someone like that. It's not me building it. So that means I got to hire someone. How hard is it to find somebody who knows these technologies and how much am I going to have to pay them? You know, versus finding somebody who's overseas or, you know, or just inexpensive who can do PHP and, and MySQL or whatever. And the reason I'm saying PHP and MySQL is because those are really easy to find. Mm. Rails is still harder to find. Rails is still going to cost you probably three times more than PHP, but that's still going to cost you twice that if you're doing Node and in, in, in Redis and all this other as I always stuff. say I mean Facebook's built on PHP you know yeah who's yeah, built on PHP I mean there's a lot of pretty big sites out there built on PHP I told us time to go ghetto fabulous yeah <laughs> you know whatever so um, you know because you could write beautiful code in any language and, and, and for this it's just simple you're just solving a problem yeah. you know and, and nobody cares um, I, I, anyway I, it'll be interesting so hopefully we can get her up and going and, and, and uh, get some out oh but the other thing is so the thing is not just PHP MySQL. There's an, uh, a mobile side, and so the thing half of it, uh, the other piece is that she's Titanium? got titanium. Like, yes, well, so she has a a partially working Xcode iPhone app, <laughs> and it's tons of I. And they say, oh, it's got a couple months of work left, and it has like all these memory leaks. I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, oh, what a nightmare! Just, just use titanium. Just use titanium, and then I go, <laughs> and I said, you know, you can use PhoneGap, but it's not going to be any easier to build than titanium. In fact, it's probably harder, and it's still not going to be as a native app and uh oh and i looked at the code and i and she she said she sent me a zip copy of all the code i looked at it and i'm just like you know it was all like node and, and everything there was hardly anything there huh. i was all like the ceremony it was like didn't do anything i was just like i really i'm, I'm really sorry to tell you this but there's just nothing there's not much here you know, I mean, it's like, it's like somebody worked on it on a weekend God. and I was just like, what a nightmare. That, that this sucks. sucks. Yeah. So All anyway, right. if you do titanium, PHP, MySQL, and you like to do a project and you can, and you're willing to work inexpensive and work fast and help, help someone out, send me an email. That could be, that could be split up into two chunks. That's if right. If you're in a, into titanium, you could also, uh, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. That's that, exactly right. If you know titanium. Yeah. And you could build a civil titanium app. And if you're a no PHP, MySQL, or some other thing, and you're, you know, send me an email. Yeah. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> looks like uh, that. Oh, no tech leaks. Are we out of time again already? <laughs> oh, man. We're going to have one tech leak of, of all. Are you sure tech link? Don't you? Oh, I got doom one. and gloom story. Okay. No, go no, on. no I got one. Good. It's good. Okay. I got one. Go on. So I, there was a thing that popped up. It was called the Ben Franklin effect, which we've talked about, which is like if you. Do somebody uh, if you do somebody a favor, it 
it doesn't have the same kind of effect of them feeling good towards you than if they do the favor for you. Okay. So yeah. Here, so here's here's an example. So like if um if uh so so let's say that I that we're talking about me helping out this entrepreneur yeah. website. I'm vested in this thing working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, she may be thankful, but now I'm personally vested. I really want this thing to work. It's like the sunk cost. Yeah. Cognitive bias comes into effect. So, when you do someone a favor, you want to help them more. Yeah. Because now you've got buy-in. Yeah. So, actually, it's good to get people to do you favors because then they're going to help you doubly. Right. <laughs> right. So, they have what's... It, it's a, I, was, I, was on, I went on this little Wiki, Wikipedia sort of rabbit hole searches. So, I, I looked up the Ben Franklin effect. I think that was what was linked to in Hacker News. And then they, it was related to the... The foot in the door technique. Right. The foot in the door technique is you ask somebody a small favor and then they'll do it. And then they've done studies on this that people who tend to do the small favor will then be more apt to do you a larger favor later. Yeah. So that's a psychological manipulation. It's like a sales tactic. It's like, can be con art. But anyway, it's just, it's just, yeah, I'm, I get people sort of vest, but that's also kind of like a web apps, right? Or mobile apps. You just sign up, you do nothing little, and then you send an email later say, oh, you should do this or you should do that. People are like, oh, okay, I already signed up. I kind of like yeah, follow yeah. through. Well, there's the opposite of that called the, um, the door in the face technique. <laughs> <laughs> so you ask somebody to do something that's really over the top. And people are like, there's no way, dude. Like, hey, can I borrow your car for a week? Yeah. You'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. All right. All right. Right. Can, can, can you just give me a ride to the just to the airport? You're like, all right, fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whereas if you just asked me to give you a ride to the airport, I'd you be like, no, wait, no, dude. No. But you, I just turned you down for letting me use my car for a week. Right. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the door in the face. Where there's a new height. What were we gonna say? Well, I was I was wondering what web could you know what web equivalent could you do that? Like, could you basically they they land on your homepage and you say. Give me a thousand bucks to go any further, and you're gonna. No, no just kidding. You upload your entire uh, <laughs> social graph and all your, uh, you know, uh, all your Gmail contacts. And you say, then click yes or no, or sign up with your email. Yeah. I'll sign- <laughs> 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 nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, there's this. Finally, there's this hybrid called the the foot in the face. Okay. <laughs> so we got the door, the foot in the door. The door in the face, and uh, there's the foot in the face. Yeah, okay. Now, I got I to gotta double check and see if I was right. <laughs> this guy didn't quite understand it. Let me see if I can find this. It basically was that, like, you would ask somebody. Let me just type this in. Here's what it says. So, I have this thing. It says, this is a jury persuasion foot in the face technique. And it says, um, the foot in the fa- face technique involves asking for a moderately difficult task to be completed. And then, regardless of what the person says, you ask immediately for a second moderately difficult task to be, to be done. Um, so, it says, well, uh, it says um, okay. What's the outcome? Well, I'm, I'm, I haven't read this yet, so I'm just kind of like scanning it. But it says about, uh, he, they described like the, the study they did, the research project. He said about half of the subjects complied with the initial request, uh, 101 of 200. And even more complied with the second request, 65.5%. Of the 101 people who agreed with the initial request, 91 agreed to measure the additional parameter. Okay, whatever. So, um, But it's like the whole, you know, just go up to a, a line or a queue, as we say in England, and just ask if, you can, if anyone minds if you go to the front. Yeah. Just so, 
<laughs> yeah, so it's like the, the fight of the, the, the end of the article on this is great. It says, many of us are used to the foot in the door technique and the door in the face technique, and it will take time for us to warm to the foot in the face strategy. However, however, it will be hard for us to forget the name. Yeah, it's yeah. a great name. So I think that might be the name of the, <laughs> the show. Foot in the face. <laughs> foot in the face. <laughs> All, right. The All right. So we got to go meet CJ. He's yeah. probably getting hungry. He's probably feeling kind of lonely standing out in front of the Apple store. Yes. All right. That's a wrap. We're out. Thank you.